0: Welcome to a new monthly podcast from Grace Community Church called What Would Jesus Say To? Dot, 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 question mark. Uh, We're gonna put a different subject in there each month. It's space for us to open up some of the topics that don't get a lot of airtime on a Sunday, uh, but still need careful thought in the world we're living in, trying to follow Jesus in, trying to parent in, trying to work in, trying to do life well with God in. We've got open bibles we've got a brew we've got martin hello we've got john hi and i'm graham and we'd love to hear from you about topics you'd like to hear us on Uh, we'll give you the details of how to get in touch at the end of this podcast this month what would jesus say to dry january well you won't find dry january in the bible (laughs) but you will find the bible talking about alcohol uh, you'll find it talking about drunkenness, about abstinence. Uh, what's going on, though, with, with dry January and kind of the temporary
1: stopping of the use of alcohol? I think what's interesting about dry January is it's not an argument ultimately about whether or not to drink alcohol full stop. It's this idea of taking a month to do without something that some people really enjoy. Uh And so people make the most of this opportunity after Christmas uh, to enter this month where they take a break from alcohol altogether. And I think, I'm guessing that people do that for a number of different reasons. And I guess it comes at a time of year where people are often making uh, resolutions, New Year's resolutions. And so I guess we should think a little bit about the reasons why people make resolutions and and what the the Christian value is of of that sort of practice. Uh, I think some people... Uh, do it as a response to excess as well at Christmas. So there's both financial excess at Christmas and uh, obviously we know alcohol costs a lot of money, whether it's multiple beers or or spirits or wine, it all costs quite a lot of money. Uh, So I think there's a a retrieval after Christmas of excessive spending. And then there's also obviously for some people uh, a health wellbeing uh, response too where people may have overindulged over Christmas, both in food and drink. And so they use January as this opportunity um, to, as they say, kind of get back on the straight and narrow when it comes to uh, health, uh, dieting, healthy eating, healthy living. So there's, I think, some of the things going on in dry January.
2: I came across an article, um, I think it was Premier Christianity, which um, looked at some research, some statistics. So about a third of people when asked have been drinking more since lockdown. About one in five are concerned about how much they're drinking. Most people, most adults when asked underestimate the number of units they they consume a week. And most, who drinks most? um, It's middle-aged, middle-class white people. So I think we're naive if we think that nobody around us may have a bit more of a problem than they're willing to admit so I think some of the things John said exactly that that sense of a little bit of a stock take um, both in terms of cost, health, self-discipline to make sure there isn't a problem um, you know can, can be a good a good idea um, to make sure that perhaps the, the reasons that we do drink alcohol is are okay as in you know we enjoy it rather than we need it to cope or unwind or to be socially engaged or, or even just to keep up with others or perhaps more serious problems. So I think there are probably there some good reasons why Christians want to make sure we're not being mastered um, by anything, even good things. Our doctrine of the fall reminds us that kind of by nature, we're predisposed to, to take good things
0: and misuse and abuse them. I guess in a way that break, it's almost like a, a Sabbath from alcohol, reminding people that they don't have a lifestyle that is ruled by it, and there's a, a, a intentional break from it to secure that in their minds. As we think about uh, people's use or misuse or abstinence of alcohol, um, what does the Bible affirm? I think there's probably two major
2: obvious principles that um, are worth stating. Um, one is that the Bible is not against uh all drinking or all alcohol. In fact, the Bible says quite a lot of positive things. Um, For example, Psalm 104 verses 13 to 14 uh, says, wine gladdens human hearts, Uh, oil makes faces shine and God gives bread that sustains. So there is a sort of a running theme throughout scripture that in a sense, things like you get this repeated trio of, of bread, wine and oil as sort of created gifts, part of God's a, a abundant provision for his people. And even in, in the Old Testament, when those, are, when those run out, that's a sign of judgment. And some of the prophetic texts speak about the restoration of those as being um, signs of favour, but, but also sort of eschatological, kind of looking forward pictures of new creation. So actually, the Bible's quite positive about the created gifts of bread, oil and wine, So we don't want to say wine is wrong. Um, Jesus turns water into wine um, in the wedding Cana, John 2, and even tells Timothy medicinally to use some wine in 1 Timothy 5. But what the Bible does say on the flip side of that is um, we must avoid drunkenness. Um, Again, there's a lot in the Bible that talks about drunkenness. Um, So Ephesians 5 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Um, or 1 Peter 4, 3, you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, which is drinking parties, and detestable idolatry. So I think you just want to hold those two things and say, um, it's not, the Bible doesn't prohibit drinking alcohol, it does prohibit
0: drunkenness. My guess is that there be some people listening who just have the question in their mind, how much is too much? Where's the line? This can come in all sorts of areas, can't it, with, with uh, sex and alcohol and all, all. Where's the line? Tell me what I can do. Tell me what I can't do. How would you answer that biblically? How do you even address the question as a question, let alone the content of it? Yeah,
2: good. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a few things to say, aren't so, Drinking alcohol isn't wrong. Being drunk is... So we've got to work out where the line is. And I think if someone's asking where the line is, is probably the wrong question. Um, it's a bit like driving on a mountain road and seeing how fast you can go. You go, no. Um, if you're unsure, exercise some caution. I do think Christians, we sometimes give ourselves a bit of a free pass on some of these things. I, I think I've been to weddings where I've seen Christians drink more than you perhaps feel comfortable with. And I'm not sure we always challenge each other on it actually I, I think we let it go a bit um some of it's individual so i think you've got to take the principle of scripture um that sort of principle of drunkenness being wrong but then you've really got to apply it to individuals in their situations and say look for people in knowing themselves knowing their environments and contexts it might look different at different points um but i think it's really worth reflecting on i, I would say don't ask Where's the line? Ask, how can you stay safely back from the
0: line, Um, if that answers it? John, on that, let me come to you then, because there will be people as well who do have an awareness of their own settings, context, weaknesses, danger points. There'll be those who perhaps have chosen to indefinitely abstain from alcohol not because they disagree with anybody having alcohol, but because for them it's the most helpful thing. There'll be others for whom, or the another end of the scale, and would say, no, no Christian should ever go near it. What would you say perhaps to those
1: groups of people? So I think firstly, it's really important to affirm those who are it, kind of in good self-awareness of themselves, are making decisions that, they think will honour Jesus best and lead to their best um, self-control and uh, to their best ability to to serve Jesus and love people around them. So I think we really need to affirm people when they're making those decisions for themselves and really encourage them in it too. And there are those great verses, aren't there, in Romans that talk about um, some of the, the freedoms we enjoy in Christ, but not using our freedoms in a way that might make others stumble. And I think that might be a really good example of that, where although we think there's a freedom to drink, we wouldn't want to rub that in people's faces who are making really, really lovely, God honoring decisions um, to seek to uh, serve and love Him. So I think that's the first thing. And I think to those who would seek a kind of a blanket ban uh, on Christians drinking, I, th- I think those verses apply to them too. Um, that they maybe shouldn't be applying their understanding of something where actually scripture gives some freedom in a way that restricts other people. Uh, that, that shouldn't be a dogmatic point for them.
2: Yeah, and, and interesting, Gen Z, um, there's, there's a flip happening. So about 26% now of Gen Z are teetotalers, 41% of Gen Z interviewed actually see alcohol as potentially a cause of of harm even abuse and i I wonder there actually as a church whether we've got some work to do like if that's that's not the bible's view actually it's more complex than that and i think if our young people only see alcohol as a very negative thing they are really going to make struggle to make sense of texts which speak of um sort of the the abundance of grain wine and oil as, as a gift. The, you know, if, if we just say the demon drink, most of their Bibles, chunk, large chunks of their Bibles aren't going to make sense. So I, th- I think there's a sort of a two sides there. John's right. There's a, a salt and light in the culture thing. But if our young people only see alcohol negatively, then actually the Bible's got more to say. Actually, we've got a bit of work to do.
1: That's so helpful. And I think the other thing then with Gen Z, if that's a growing perspective, it means possibly they are miss diagnosing the problem actually alcohol is not the problem uh it is people's relationship with alcohol and the way in which they use it so again there's opportunities there to really reach into a culture and into into people's lives to show them what's what's really the problem and what where the answer really lies
0: i guess that applies to parents then particularly when i grew up there was the danger thing don't go near the danger thing and then when you can go near it because you're legally allowed to It becomes everything and you can really jump two feet into it. What would you say to parents who are trying to navigate bringing up their kids to avoid
1: that? I think we always want to help each other and our children, grandchildren to see the bigger story. The bigger story is always, who is Jesus? How do I relate well to him? Uh, how do I uh, love and serve those around me, and how do these other things in life, whether it's alcohol or food or sex, how do those things fit into that bigger story uh, and those bigger priorities, John? Any other
0: pitfalls, perhaps, of a dry January mentality? I think there's a, a
1: couple of things that come to mind. I think there's a there's a risk, uh, Martin, to talk generally about resolutions, and I think there's a risk with any kind of resolution, which is that it 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 can lead to a sort of a spiritual pride, potentially. If I identify myself, things about myself that I would like to change, and then I do it, I think there's a risk that um, that can lead to a sort of a spiritual DIY mentality, uh, which leads not to humility and dependence on God, but instead a, a, a tick list mentality of, of me identifying targets which I can then shoot down in in my own strength. I think that's pe- perhaps a, a spiritual risk that is run by things like this. And then the other thing that I think specifically about giving up alcohol for a month is that there's a big question, which is although we may give up alcohol for a month because there's a risk of it uh, being our, the way we escape or the way we cope with life, we need to be really careful about then how we replace that because there's a, there's a risk that we replace it with other things which are just as unhelpful, whether it's uh, binging on uh, box sets uh, or, or, or eating rather than drinking or uh, there's, yeah, there's so many things that we could just substitute it with, which are equally unhealthy. And I, I guess there's an opportunity then if dry January is to be used well, it needs to be used in a, in a Godward way. Uh, and then there are these verses from uh, Philippians, which talks about Paul's great desire in all things. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. And I love that idea that if dry January is to be of good, I think it needs to be that that redirecting of us Godwards, so that we, we are straining to take hold of what Jesus already achieved for us.
0: Just as we come towards a close, let's pick up on that idea of what is it replaced with, John, that you mentioned there? Um, Ephesians 5, is, do not get drunk on wine, and says, be filled instead with the Spirit. Uh, what does that mean? How does that apply? How does the gospel apply to this whole area, Martin? There's a really good
2: opportunity here, actually, for us to think about. So, so what's going on in our culture? When our culture, people in our culture say, you know dry January that'd be great that that will give me something it will give me fresh focus or new energy or um what is it they're looking for and I think as Christians we want to say in some ways that the thing that people are looking for in dry January is really something that only God can give them by His spirit so that, that's a great verse don't get drunk on wine because it, it won't give you what you're looking for but actually the spirit can so I, I think looking at our culture and I don't know, it's not easy is it you've got to be Carefully. you can't be clumsy doing this stuff but um, just looking around saying when, when people are looking to these things to give them something I think the, the thing they're really reaching out for is a sort of fullness um, that actually only God can provide and I wonder if dry January is just one of those little indicators that people are reaching for something and we kind of know what that is but they've yet to find it, and actually, they they won't find it either in a bottle or the giving up of a bottle.
1: I think that's so helpful because if dry January is a response to some of the problems that people see in their life, whether it's overeating or overspending or overdrinking before Christmas, then I think it's really helpful as Christians to remember that the problem is so much graver and deeper than those things, but the solution is so much more satisfying and richer. Then, as Martin says, just uh, giving up a bottle.
0: Let's finish this off then. Uh, if the question is, Martin, what would Jesus say to dry January? What is his answer?
2: <laughs> oh, goodness, you want me to summarise the last whatever minutes? Um, yeah, I think I, I think John's done a, a nice job of just that sense of, look, if if you're doing it for that sense of self-discipline, a little bit of a spiritual, physical stock take, um, good... If you're doing it because actually there's there's a bit of a deeper problem that perhaps needs a bit more work, or you're replacing other things, then it might not be as helpful as you think it is. Self-discipline is good, but it can have, as Paul says in Colossians 2, a sort of a, a false humility, sort of trapped, trapped in there.
0: John, Jesus walks into the room. We're discussing dry
1: January. What would Jesus say to dry January? Uh, just some verses from 1 Corinthians 10, I think. Uh, so whether you eat or drink... Or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ.
0: Thanks, John. Thanks, Martin. Thank you for listening. Share it with a friend if you think they'd find it helpful. And we'd love to hear from you about topics to discuss in the coming months. Info at grace in You can email us there, info at grace in uh, Thank you for listening to What Would Jesus Say Too?